Welcome to Citizens Insight, the Citizens Party's interview series on matters of national and international importance. And my guest today, my return guest, is the Executive Director of the Licensed Post Office Group, Angela Cramp. Welcome, Angela. Hi, Robert. The title of today's interview is The Untold Story of the Australia Post Scandal. Since we last spoke, Angela, which I think was back in February, uh, we did our first interview, which made a very big impact, I must say, um, on the Australia Post campaign that we were running to get uh, you know, Christine Holgate reinstated as CEO of Australia Post at the time. Um, so we did that interview in February. We told, you told the story of Christine Holgate. I think we called it uh, Christine Holgate Saved Australia Post. The truth about Christine Holgate, she saved Australia Post. That interview contributed to the Senate calling an inquiry into the Christine Holgate scandal, what happened to her on the pretext of the Cartier watches. And so now that inquiry is finished. We have the final report. Uh, we had a Four Corners story about it at the beginning of this week, which we can talk about in a minute. Um, but let's just discuss, do a little bit of a post-mortem here and discuss how that went. So what did you, as, the, as someone who's such a, a stakeholder in Australia Post, as the person who represents the 3,000 small businesses that, that run post offices in Australia, what did you think of the inquiry itself? I thought it was great, like it was extensive. I'm very disappointed that there was no teeth to it. Um, the truth certainly came out. I mean, like we heard the facts and yeah. it's quite easy to read the truth in the facts, but we have the same board and we have the same outcome that we had before we went into the inquiry, which is extraordinary, I think. And I, I think we have raised the public perception, and I think it would be very difficult for this government to move forward or the board to move forward and sell off the parcels or divest themselves of the parcels. Yeah. I also think that... Australia has been put on notice when the minister says that Australia Post will always be in the government hands. I think they now understand that we need to find out whether it's a matchbox size Australia Post or the business that we have today that will always be in the government hands. So I think it's raised awareness. I am still very disappointed that we have lost the CEO that was taking us to a new dimension, a new era as Australia Post. And it remains to be seen what we can do with the CEO that was appointed by the chairman of the board that got rid of the best CEO that we've ever had and then sat back and told the inquiry that he didn't anticipate that happening. All of these things we have to live with now and survive, I guess. Yeah, so I think what you, the, 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 uh, the, the lack of confidence you're expressing there is even though the report actually is quite excellent in its content, um, including demanding an inquiry from Scott Morrison, sorry, an apology from Scott Morrison, an apology from the, from the board and the chair and calling for the chair to resign, 
and raising questions about whether there should be follow-up um, action against the chair, perhaps through the Privileges Committee, because of the at least four instances where they raised that he may have misled the inquiry, which is very serious, which if he did, he only did on behalf of the government, not, not for a personal reason. And then there's the it raised issues to do with the government politically interfering with Australia Post. Now, yes, the government runs the government owns Australia Post, and of course, it should be able to have some kind of a say. But there's a there's a proper process for that. Yeah. This was this was deliberate interference to get rid. All that came out of the inquiry, and it's in the report. But so far, there's been no action on that whatsoever. And yeah. until there is, how can you have any confidence going forward? No, we don't have any confidence going forward. Like, the only thing that we could do is do the same thing again. Like, go to the people. Go to the Citizens Party. <laughs> Get the citizens of Australia yeah. to start, you know, calling their local ministers to do something different. I'm quite sure that the committee saw the truth found the truth. Yeah. I was very yeah. impressed with the committee, uh, except for a couple of members of the committee who obviously weren't interested in the truth. Yeah. Um, they were there to, you know, I don't know, I suppose be the advocates for the government who have caused this problem. Yeah. But I'm quite sure that the majority of the committee understood that this was not straightforward and this was there was definitely more to this than meets the eye which the fact that we can't get anything repaired i suppose even though that is obvious is yeah like it's very disappointing so while, so while you while you do have a, that sense of that um do you and the lpo though group also though have a sense that Thanks to this issue and this 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 happening and this campaign, there is much greater awareness among the general Australian public about what LPOs go through. Right, I the think every, everybody, like, like that, that's been the resounding response in communities all over the place. People had no idea of how we operated. The perception was we were part of the government. We were public servants. We got paid whether we were there or not. And it didn't matter what level of, you know, work we did. That is certainly something that everybody understands now. If they're not in our post office supporting us, their post office is not supported. Therefore, their post office yeah. is under threat. Yeah. And that's, you know, that will change a lot of... The future, I think, if people understand that they need to support us for their community to be supported by Australia Post, then we have, you know, like we have lost Christine Holgate. That's gone. Um, and now she is running our greatest competitor and she is the best that we've ever seen. So she's going to be a huge threat to Australia Post. And we have yet to face that. I mean, it'll be a couple of years before she gets that business on its feet. So between, you know, now and the future, we have to build up 
our reserves, I suppose, and the communities that we serve have to not take the post office for granted. I mean, we, a lot of licensees expected that the government would save Australia Post if Australia Post ran out of money. We now clearly understand they won't. They may well save a few corporate offices. They may well save a few postage jobs. But by and large, they will let Australia Post go down the gurgler if it's not commercially sound. So well, we have to address that. No, we do. And can I say on behalf of the uh, Australian citizens who we helped to inform, we became informed and then we helped to inform about this subject, um, we'll always have you back because this is we now appreciate how crucial Australia Post and the licensed post offices are. Now, for the sake of the viewer, we, we aren't actually yet at the untold story of Australia Post, of the Australia Post scandal. Uh, and I do have, we'll get there in a minute, I know, but I want to get Angela's comments on some of the other uh, aspects of, of uh, the, the upshot of the campaign that we've just run. Um, but when we get to the untold story, you'll see why the, the LPO group is, is so crucial and, and all Australians should rally around it. Um, but uh, let's talk about some of the, the concrete things that we've achieved that I think have come out this week, Angela, in the form of the, the Four Corners story and what I consider the strength of that story and then the announcement by the banks this week. So Four Corners did a story that, well, well I'll say what I, th say what I think and then uh, you can say what you think. But now that I've come to appreciate this Australia Post story and the LPO group, etc., and it was part of this campaign, um, we, got, we got so involved in it. Usually I consider Four Corners to be the gold standard of investigative reporting in Australia, but it just seemed very, very weak and superficial, frankly. Right? They, they barely touched on the key issues, which, which is one of the reasons we're calling this the untold story of the Australia Post scandal. But what did come out, and I think is an accomplishment of this campaign, is they did confirm the privatisation agenda of Australia Post. That, can, that is no longer deniable. Four Corners added some, some pretty valuable material there where they where they um, showed how the Abbott uh, government clearly came in with that intention to privatise Australia Post. And then it was only because the National Party resisted it that they had to temporarily put it off. But in the meantime, things were happening inside Australia Post that was pushing that agenda ahead anyway. That clearly came through in the show. And politically now, um, that agenda right now is dead in the water politically. However, you did express justified criticism on the, sorry, cynicism, scepticism on the show about that part of it in the sense that, you know, yes, it may be dead now, but we've got to keep an eye on it. So what's your thoughts of that and the, and the Four Corners story generally? Well, I think the Four Corners story was pretty good. It is a very complex story. You can't actually cover everything it did take 24 hours. So they did focus. Yeah. And at this stage, it is political that has caused our, our politics that has caused our biggest problem. It was quite clearly politics that got rid of the CEO. Yeah. And why would the minister, why would the prime minister why would the board want to get rid of somebody who's finally done what everybody wanted to do with the business? So you have to ask yourself, what other reason would there be other than they don't want a successful Australia Post? 
if they don't want a successful Australia Post, the only reason is they want to sell off parts of it and they need to convince everybody that the house is falling down so we should get out. There, yeah. there is just no other explanation for it. We've been told that it was just a massive stuff up and nobody knew how to backtrack from a massive stuff up. I find that very difficult. So I think for what Four Corners could actually portray in 40 minutes, I was quite satisfied that they got the story across. We now need to follow up and make people understand that, yes, they said it is not our intention to divest ourselves of the parcels today. They don't actually say the today bit, but tomorrow it may well be their intention if it looks like a good idea and they think they can get across the line with it. And it's not just the Liberal Party. The Labor Party did the same thing when Stephen Conroy was the minister. So it is this short-term you know, raid the cupboards and leave everything bare for the next people that are moving in. And that's what we need to basically fight against. We need to ensure the future of Australia Post for Australia, not the government of the day. And so, so the view is clear, just the technical part of what, why that's important is Australia Post um, is not funded by the taxpayer. It has to make its own money. And with technology fewer people are sending actual letters. So that's a, that's a shrinking business, but the growing part of the business is the post office, is the parcels. And if that ever was sold off, that would instantly make Australia Post itself unviable. And yeah. the whole business would be on its knees and the LPOs would be back to um, the condition you're in. So this is why it is, it's not, a, it's not just a casual business uh, decision about the past parcels. This is the future of Australia Post we're talking about, and which is why we have to be eternally vigilant and make sure they do not sell in whole or part any of Australia Post. You can't hold Australia Post anymore to being a letter delivery service. Yeah. It is a commercial enterprise offering a range of services to communities across Australia, and that needs to be moved into the legislation like we should be the banking service everywhere now that the banks are leaving town everywhere we should be the one that people can or the place that people can comfortably go ask for information check facts get their money pick up their parcels like parcels is a very big part of everybody's life these days most people do online shopping, even my husband. So <laughs> the thing is that if you live in the sticks, in rural, yeah. remote, even regional areas, the major commercial opposition does not go to those areas. So Australia Post is everywhere. And, and they, they are mandated to deliver to 94% of the delivery points in Australia. Like, I think there's currently about 13 million. So that's a lot of locations. The commercial carriers are not mandated to deliver anywhere that they don't want to. Like, Christine Holgate will not be 
going to the far ends of Australia with her new enterprise. She's in a business that wants to make money. Australia Post is in a business that is mandated to serve Australia. So parcels should be part of that because now parcels are probably more important to most people than letters. And if you do live out in the middle of nowhere, you are not going to get a parcel at a reasonable cost from anybody else but Australia Post. You can't go to the bank if the nearest bank is four hours drive away, around two to four hours to get $200 out of the bank. That diminishes everyone on the way, except those major centres. So all of these things need to be moved into the legislation. The legislation needs to be overhauled. So Australia Post is now actually a service centre, which is where Christine Holgate wanted to take the LPO network, a commercial hub for communities across Australia so that the services in town, and the Nationals have always been very particular about this, Ron Boswell and Barry O'Sullivan and Bridget McKenzie want services in the regional and rural communities where people live. They believe they have a right to be serviced in their place of residence. Well, that's where LPOs are. Well, let's just explore that now. I think that brings us to the main purpose of this uh, interview because People might be thinking after having listened to what you just said then, well, that makes that's common sense. You know, why wouldn't the government just go ahead and do it? Your experience as a licensed post office, uh, as a post office licensee and the people that are part of your LPO group is you've had a, over, the, over time, you've had a really hard time with the management of Australia Post and the government in actually doing common sense things like this. And um, that has led to... There's a, there's, there's a whole history to this, to a sort of a struggle that you've been part of that's led to the point we're at now. And I want people to hear that story. Angela, you've told me that story. I think it's, a, it's an amazing political story. Um, I, I want people to hear the story of how the only reason they've got a post office in their community is because a handful, relatively handful of plucky people have stood up to the power of Australia Post Management and the government just to protect your businesses, but in protecting your businesses, you're protecting the service to the community. So can we go back to the beginning? Give people a sense of what life was like for a licensed post office licensee and then how the LPO group came about because you didn't always exist, did you? No, we didn't. We didn't. There was... uh an industry association that we were all members of and we were all struggling. Like I have newsletters from the mid-90s from, you know, a breakaway group who were trying to do something but they didn't have the benefit of the internet. So it was very expensive for them to write and like write letters to licensees and try and raise awareness, you know, Mail-wise, it was it was not cost-effective. So the internet saved us. But we, my husband and I, bought our first post office in two thousand and one. Like we were probably green as grass. We thought that we were buying a business that delivered essential services to everyone 
in partnership with the government had to be a good business, had to be safe, like you wouldn't go broke working for the government. Yeah. And like, that's probably, you know, we thought we were buying a business, you collected mail over the counter and you sold stamps. That was pretty easy and we would, you know, do okay. It was so far from the truth. It was just terrifying. And we bought a second one a year later. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was a remote post office, and we bought it in partnership with my parents, and they were going to go and work in it. It had no street delivery. It had in close to two thousand post office boxes, and everybody who lived in that postcode had to get their mail over the counter from this post office in Lightning Ridge. Unbeknownst to us, and our payments, the majority of our payments, especially at the one at Lightning Ridge, because most of the revenue was derived from mail services, not retail, not transactions, yeah. just making sure people got their mail and it was managed. Most of that payment was linked to the basic postage rate, which is the, you know, the ordinary stamp. Yeah. So... When that went up, our payments went up at the same percentage. But if the basic postage rate did not go up, then our payments did not go up. So it was linked. Unbeknownst to us, we bought the business in 2002. We bought the first one in 2001, and it was a metro area. So we had a mix of revenue streams in that one, but the one in Lightning Ridge and the board made a strategic business decision in 2001 to stagnate the BPR. So they were protecting the mail products. So they had no intention of lifting the basic postage rate for quite some time. That ended up being 11 years. So licensees had very little payment increase from 2001 to 2011. Now, everybody knows that the wages and the rents and insurance and every other cost skyrocketed through that time and our payments did not. But we were green. We didn't really understand why we were going backwards. We simply couldn't afford to pay, you know, our bills. And can I, can I just in with an observation there because people the, the consumer listening might think oh well i'm, I'm glad stamp the price of stamps didn't go up yeah. but all those yeah. years all those years australia post was making a profit yeah and the government was getting a huge dividend every year yeah and the only people missing out were the license post office yeah. that dividend came out of our pocket and the board knew that everybody knew that this decision this strategic business decision was it was just absolutely damaging to licensees. And we went through the GFC. So all of that downturn and Australia Post just dismissed it. We also went through the boom of the mail. Like in 2007, every telco and every credit card provider sent every name that they knew 
a letter every week, basically, offering them, uh, you know, a credit increase or a new offer on their phone. So we were swamped with mail. Parcels was building, online shopping was building. So suddenly when we took over Lightning Ridge, had about 50 to 100 parcels a day. In 2010, we were doing 10 hours of unpaid work a day on parcels, managing parcels. So we had four people managing the parcels for a greater part of our day for no remuneration at all because it wasn't covered in, um, in our agreement. 1993, nobody sent a box of wine to a small PO box. Yeah. It was just unheard of. By 2010, it was very popular. So all of this stuff compounded and there was no increase and Australia Post wouldn't do anything about it. Neither would the industry representative body. They just hung up on us. They did, like refused to take our membership fees that I, I was barred from, I, I was a bit, I did agitate for help, but it became obvious that we were not going to survive. We by this time had three post offices because we bought a smaller one down the road from our first one. We had three very different post offices and it was quite clear that the amount of work we did and the one that was at Lightning Ridge was, I don't know, five to six times the amount of work we had to do to get the same payment right. in the other two. And it was very obvious to us what was the problem. We could not afford to pay the staff at Lightning Ridge unless we took money, we sold properties, we took money out of our pockets to keep the doors of that one open. And it was a very successful post office, very busy, four full-time staff, and we did not cover the cost. So when, we either had to walk away yeah. or we decided that wasn't a good idea. So we wrote a letter to every licensee in the country asking them if they were struggling like we were. Like that's what I was about to that's what I was about to ask. Is this the point where you discovered that you weren't in this boat on your own. It was yeah. it was a uniform yeah, like story we, across we, the board. We sent a letter out on Australia Day 2013 saying, I don't know about you lot, but like we are struggling here. <laughs> we want a better relationship. We we want to actually sleep at night. We want to be able to cover our bills and we're not. How are you going? And we were inundated my son gave me a little website for that christmas and we actually put that website address on this letter and it just crashed wow. there were so many people ringing up and people in tears like men ringing us ringing me in tears saying i thought it was just us i thought we just were failures so about 400 of us joined up within a month and we decided that we needed to do something about this. So we held a meeting in March in Sydney and 100 licensees flew in from other states. We formed a steering committee. We found ourselves 
a lawyer that actually did work well, was experienced in franchise and industrial contracts. And we decided to make a difference. Well, this, either we walked away or we fought. Is this the meeting that um, the independent Senator Nick Xenophon attended? Well, he didn't attend the one in Sydney, but previous to that, he had met with eight licensees in his electorate in or his state in Adelaide, and he was overwhelmed with the story that he was getting from those licensees. The next week, eight licensees in Queensland met with Ron Boswell, Senator Ron Boswell from the Nationals, and he said it was the most distressing meeting he had ever held with constituents ever. There were grown men sobbing in his office and he had to tell them they had nothing to sell. Their, their businesses were worthless. Nobody would buy them. They weren't making any money. So they should stop thinking that they would be able to sell to get out of this problem. Nick Xenophon wanted to know if this was wide ranging. So he got in touch with me and asked if we could call a, a general meeting in Adelaide. So we all flew to Adelaide and he held this meeting, I think it was in a church hall, and he gave the licensees the microphone and all afternoon people were just pouring out their despair about what was going on. He took us all to dinner that night to a pizza place and got on ABC radio and started to make a difference. It was just extraordinary. The next week they went, both Ron and Nick went back to Canberra, fortuitously met in the corridor and decided to call the Senate inquiry. And with two weeks notice, we had a Senate inquiry and that inquiry was into the appalling payment for parcels. Yeah. And it was going to be a one-day inquiry and it would be all done and dusted. Nine months later, it had actually interrogated the entire business of Australia Post and everybody understood that this was almost on skid road. It wasn't just us. It was the entire business that needed to be overhauled and modernised and, you know, managed differently. Now, now, Angela, I, I don't want you to be uh, shy here, but I do want you to give people an insight into um, what that, that inquiry process, that first one was like for you and your fellow office holders at the LPO group personally. Because I think it illustrates just that you, you are everyday Aussies that were thrown into a larger process only because you decided to speak up. But you're not political animals, um, you're not politicians. This, this, was, this was sort of forced on you. And, yeah, um, you told me a story about the first time you had to testify. Just give people a sense of what that was like. Being it was terrifying. It, like, it was absolutely terrifying. We were, you know, like we were on a roller coaster, I guess. So we really didn't uh, appreciate, I suppose, the um, process we just thought we went there and we told everyone the story and of course they would believe us because 
it just had to be that way. Like we needed to save the LPI network. And then, you know, we were standing outside the inquiry and we were, you know, waiting to go in and Andrew Hurst was the vice chair and I looked at each other and thought, we can't do this. Like we're <laughs> out of our debt. We should do a runner. We should just go. Like, like, you know, this was a good idea, but we can't do this. We don't know what we're doing. We're not politicians. We have no idea how you need to do this. We should just go while we have the opportunity. And we're sort of thinking, how do we get out of here? And they said, right, okay, we're ready for you. Let's go. And it was too late. So we looked at each other and said, okay, we're going to have to do this. And we went in, we sat down. We had had a fair bit of prep based on our submission. Yeah. And we were going to, you know, articulate the points, I suppose, in our submission. The first question that Senator Boswell asked us, the secretary stands up and says, I'm sorry, Senator, that's a confidential submission, cannot be addressed, can't be spoken oh. about, no questions can come out of that. Thank you very much. So we were left without a script. And that was a very interesting situation. So we just thought, well, we'll wing it. Like, we know our story. Yeah. We are so passionate about what we've done. We have such a debt. <laughs> like, you know, we can't walk away from these post offices because we take our loans with us forever. Yeah. I will never pay off my debt if I don't sell my business. So... I was basically talking to save my life, my future. And I'm passionate. Like, I love my post offices. I think they're a great thing. But, you know, it needs to be fair and it needs to be reasonable for the people to do it. Well, so well, we winged it. <laughs> and as you said, I, and I'm, frankly, I having got to know you, I think I'm glad you winged it because um, the truth of that comes through then. And as you said, it became a nine-month process that what was supposed to be one day uh, had expanded, everything was examined. And I think, I think um, you'll acknowledge that the politicians who became familiar with this subject were mostly all in incredibly sympathetic to your, yeah. to your plight. That's not to say we, that some of them in this latest um, problem with, around Christine Holgate didn't let you down later on. And that, that I know that you've... You felt quite um, cut by that because you know you got to know a bunch of them very well at that time. Yeah, we had in we had incredible support from the first committee. They really were working so well to save Australia Post, and there was no doubt from anybody that unless everybody pulled together and made stuff happen, that Australia Post really was in trouble dire circumstances really it was it was frightening we weren't um we weren't privy to the the back information but we certainly understood the concerns that they had about what they had uncovered and things started changing we started getting cash incentives to the lpos um we started seeing dribbles of increase in payments and we started seeing action so 
We saw the absolute best of politics at that time. This time around, the committee was fighting to bring out the truth and the government and the government members of the committee were equally um, trying to make sure that the truth wasn't aired which was very disappointing, like incredibly disappointing. And, of course, some of those key people who were part of that inquiry process at that time, back in 2013-14, are no longer in the Senate to yeah. be able to, be able to um, uh, participate. But let's jump forward now to... I think you've given people a great sense of what that was like. And, and yes, some change came out of that first inquiry. But let's jump forward to the annual general meeting of the LPO group in 2017 in Penrith, which was attended by, by that time, Armin Fahor had uh, moved on and a new CEO of Australia Post had been appointed, Christine Holgate. She hadn't actually taken up the role yet. So you, your group holds an AGM, and correct me if I'm wrong, but nobody from Australia Post was there except the incoming CEO and her husband, Mike Harding, attended this annual general meeting. There were there our our state, a couple of our state RMP, our retail network partnership people came. But not from the not um, the executive team at the no, time. No, no yeah. executive. No, no, no. Like Christine Holgate had not started her role. She took up the role two days later and she came. We invited her to address the licensees. She was honoured, she said, to come. Um, We allocated 45 minutes. She spoke for an hour and a half. She got a standing ovation. And I tell you, it was teary. Like, and and resoundingly, everyone said, gosh, if if she's the real deal, we're saved. But she's just too good to be true. So it's probably just more you know, talk and no action. Do you, remember what she, she, do you remember what she talked about? Yeah, I remember what she talked about, banking. <laughs> <laughs> I had had a conversation with her. Um, when we sent her the invitation, she actually phoned after she received the invitation. She was travelling and at the time she was visiting post offices across the world. So she did... Uh, she phoned to introduce herself and said that she would be very interested to sit down and have a talk about what was on our pain point list and our wish list. And I took the opportunity to verbalise it just in case I did never hear from her again. So we did have an extensive conversation and banking is was is one of our pain points because we were very disadvantaged by servicing our communities with banking. And there was just no doubt about it. We were underpaid. We could be standing at the counter for 20 minutes counting their takings, which we needed to do for our communities to survive. Businesses need to be able to bank their takings if they want to continue. There's no banks. There's only one option. So we were getting paid a paltry amount of money to do that. 
And I took the opportunity to talk to her about that. So she apparently did some investigations between then and when she started. When she came to the AGM, she was a full bottle on what we needed to look at and what we needed to investigate and how this should work and how the banks are very profitable and that, you know, we're offering them a good service and they should chip in. And she went through a whole heap of topics that she would like to address, really. Um, but she was not the CEO at the time. So it was not her plan. It yeah. was more her idea of where we should be looking at what we should be doing. But it was enough to breathe life into the room. It was just awesome to listen to somebody who was going to be running the business talk about all these things that are so important to us in a way that she actually sounded like she knew how we would feel mm. and really it was just extraordinary um well so that so so um, that that's that's what that experience was like that day did she deliver <laughs> she, she just kept delivering like the banking she she took over in october and in january she invited um andrew hurst and i to a meeting in sydney to discuss her plan with banking and we you know, contributed to the agenda where we sent a contribution to the agenda. We took our pads and our notepads and we went into the room and we started preparing to write notes. And she said, no, thank you. There will be no notes. This is highly confidential. This is a strategy. This is where we are trying to go. It needs to remain in this room only because there is nothing that we can do if everybody is out there saying this is what should happen. We need to manage this, but we want you to know that this was what we would like to do. And it was more than we would have ever wished for. So we put our pens and papers away and we just listened to the team. There were the, the whole team. I'm assuming now it was all the people that got the Cartier watches. And I wish I had a known that because I would have given them all a kiss as we left. But they told us what they were going to do. And then it took them a lot longer than they thought it would. But that October, they actually did deliver exactly what they told us that they wanted to do. And then once she had done that, she'd set it all up. She'd got the banking under control. She moved on to reforming our payments. So we were decoupled from the BPR. We were, our payment increases go up now each year in line with the GRIA, which is our major cost, I suppose, for most people. Um, the wages that you pay your staff are pretty vital. Yeah. So if, you know, we are now getting that increase every year instead of waiting to see what they do with the BPR. And there was, a, a, like, she decoupled our payments from that. Then she changed the payment reform, the payment structure. And 
moved our payments away from the letters side of the business over to the parcel side of the business. So we, you know, in, in 2013, we were getting paid 19 cents for delivering about maybe 50% of the parcels that go out, that went out of our post office. So we're getting 19 cents for 50% of them. Cost recovery at that time was about $1.40. So you can imagine how crippling it was. Yeah. And we were not getting paid for any PO box parcels. She upended the bucket and put it all back in differently. We are now paid to deliver a parcel. A parcel is a parcel is a parcel. It goes over our counter. We get paid a very reasonable amount of money now. We are also paid to scan everybody's parcel in and out. So if you want to track your parcel, you can track your parcel because we scan it now because Australia Post pays us for it instead of just telling us to do it. You know, it makes a big difference. So she did that next. So this is, some of this is technical, but essentially what she, everything she was doing was supporting the infrastructure of Australia Post, such as it is, that guarantees a service to the communities you serve. And um, it looks like, uh, Angela, the problems were there to be solved, but it was Christine Holgate was the first to come along and actually solve them. Um, and it was more about an intention that she had rather than that, the, the fact that she could solve them really does show up what happened before her, um, uh, whereas that lack of solving the problem speaks to there were other agendas afoot, such as the downsizing for privatisation, and hence why we were so suspicious about that all through um, this scandal, because you know that explains the reason she was got rid of. Um, like, and it, it, it's why we are so distraught. Yeah. You know, like, we actually did see how good she was. Like, I've been a licensee for 20 years, and not many of those 20 years have I slept soundly at night. Like, really, you know, we spent most of our time worried sick that the next day would be our last day that we could survive. And then Christine Holgate came along and she stood in front of us in 2017 and said, okay, this is what I think I should do. And we all sort of thought, wow, like if she did a quarter of it, things would be so much better. And yet she just kept rolling things on. Yeah. And, I mean, this year is the first year that I've had money in my bank at Christmas time. Like Christmas is the worst time for licensees. We have the biggest volume of work and it's at the minimal amount of profit for us. The smallest, the, the time in our year, our cycle, where it's heavily reliant on service and the smallest margins for the biggest amount of profit. It, it just of sales, I should say, it's a hard time of year and most of us end up in January with a massive overdraft because we simply didn't sell all the stock, we didn't sell through, we had to have more staff there to help people make decisions about their Christmas mail and you know, 
I had money in my bank. Most people did not have an overdraft this Christmas, which is so. So let me let me just say when when Christine Holgate was forced out, the first ever reference, the first time I saw your name in print, you, it was an article talking about how you had organised the LPOs to send in five dollars each to pay for the Cardia watches, and you, they were they quoted you that she was the best CEO Australia Post has ever had. And yep. from what you're saying, that was no exaggeration. No, it was no exaggeration. And that's just not me saying it. This yeah. is people all over the business. Yeah. People that have been with Australia Post for 50 years, they saw it. Like executives, staff, corporate staff, delivery staff, everybody has seen it. She just responded. Yeah. She was down here with us. She like she had her phone number and her email address on the company website. You wanted to talk to the boss, you could talk to the boss and she answered. I mean, she just took an interest in our level of the business. I hope Australians who, who get to hear this have the same sense I do, how absolutely perverse it is therefore, that not only just in general, this, this woman was the most this extraordinary corporate leader was was forced out of Australia Post the way she was. And Four Corners um, could not do justice to this story. People have to hear it from you, from that. You've got to see Australia Post through the LPO's eyes. That was not just perverse, but the thing that she had, the first thing she delivered on, which had made such a big difference to you guys, the thing that, um, uh, that she actually, as you said, you called her that time and she was travelling. When she thought she was going to take this job, she went around the world to visit post offices around the world to see what made them successful. That at her expense, due diligence before she took this job and then she made it work. And she, this woman is the reason that Australians, that 1,500 communities in Australia have access to a post office, that the banks of, the communities the banks have abandoned can do banking at post offices because of her. And it was for that deal, for that deal, because she awarded Cartier watches to that team that you got to meet with, <laughs> who delivered, who worked, you know, 24 hours a day, um, weekends and, and, and uh, holidays, etc., to land this deal because they got a $5,000 watch each. When, by the way, the average car dealer watch is $500,000. Thank you very much. Right? It wasn't ostentatious. It was a recognition for that deal this woman was moved on by this prime minister and the gang of thugs around him. That's what people have to take into their heart. If you're a patriotic Australian citizen, listen to what Angela Cramp is saying, right? It's so <laughs> perverse that this happened. Um, but Angela, we're running out of time. Let me just, let, let's just get to what is, what I reckon is the second victory out of our campaign though, because thanks to, you told me this story, our party got involved with your group in just spreading the word listen to the story of the LPOs and the public came along to actually see that an injustice had been done and we got the inquiry, etc. One of the things we did um, in that campaign was shine an enormous floodlight of, um, of attention onto the banking deal, which uh, at the time, Christine was forced out, was up in the air because negotiations to renew the deal was supposed to start around then. And when, yeah. when you and I went to Canberra in, in February to talk to politicians, this deal was completely up in the air. It wasn't settled that the banks were going to do a deal, renew it at all. 
This week, extraordinarily, um, CBA and, West, and, and NAB have announced a renewal of the deal for 10 years. Now, um, that's obviously good news for LPOs, and you can comment on that. But I think we also have to acknowledge that is a, a victory for this campaign because we basically put, put so much attention on it, they couldn't back out. Would you see it that no. way? Yeah. No, it is. And, um, like, they're not disclosing the payment terms, but they have confirmed verbally to the LPO group that licensees' payments will not be reduced regardless of what the terms they have with the banks. So that's good. We're very happy with that. Um, if Australia Post has sold themselves down the river again, like before Christine, that'll be the government's problem, not ours. We'll be getting our money. Well, let's let's chalk that up to a victory then. Um, uh, uh, it is. It, it, it's it's fantastic. The the biggest threats that we felt with the loss of Christine yeah. was the loss of banking, the loss of the banking transactions and that business and the parcels. And, and both of those things are not going to happen. Like the banks have, two of the banks have signed up for 10 years and that will substantially assist so many communities everywhere. And if Westpac and the ANZ refuse to come on board, that everyone should move to the NAB or the Commonwealth because they can then go to the post office. And, and the bank, the parcels will not be moving off to anybody else in the foreseeable future. So that is a very good outcome yeah. for licensing. That, that, that right there, those two things are the victory of the campaign that, that we ran yeah. to. Um, we, the goal was to reinstate Christine Holgate. That, that became impossible to achieve the day the government or the Australia Post board announced a new CEO before the first hearing, which was a total middle finger to the process. Um, you know, Christine had to move on at a certain point, but she got to clear her name, tell her story, and that her powerful um, uh, testimony at that hearing laid bare this whole privatisation agenda, told the story of the banking deal. So that's now those two things are secured thanks to this campaign. Both of them. Otherwise, would have it's it's highly likely the banks would have pulled out and um, the government would have got away with their privatisation of the parcels business. So we've achieved that. Um, what, what I want to say uh, in conclusion, though, from this from this discussion, I want I want people who've you know participated watch this for the length that it, that they have and, and it's justified this this length of discussion. You've got to talk about it in depth if you want to get any insight. Um, You've heard the story of the LPO group now, and it's a powerful story, but you also hear in Angela's voice the uncertainty about the future that is just the reality of what um, uh, they're facing now that Christine's gone. The new guy hasn't proved himself, and it's still the old board, surrounded by these political snakes that, that did this. And that's why we will main, stay on this issue, right? We, the, we, the Citizens' Party is committed to the welfare of Australia Post and LPOs because it's our post office. We're all stakeholders in this, right? Australia Post is a public asset for all Australians. 
Um, and I want all Australians to participate, think in that terms and, 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 and join us in making sure that this, these hardworking people who deliver our postal service cannot be done over again in the future. And the best way to do that is irrespective of what the banks do. Um, the reason our party got involved in this in the first place, we need to turn Australia Post or expand Australia Post into its own bank. So that in the you know, 10 years in the future, if the banks want to pull out, fine, who needs them? But Australia Post can always be viable if it's if its, its own bank. And, and, and there will be enormous benefits for Australia to have a public people's bank through post offices, the way the Commonwealth Bank originally started, which can not just secure the viability of Australia Post, but, but force the private banks to improve because it will break their monopoly and force them to compete with a public option, which we need, because you know there, there's a lot of good, excellent things about Bank at Post. One of the, the bad sides, and you can comment if you want on this, Angela, is the fees are way too high, right? Yeah. They're way too high, and that's just bastardry by the banks as usual. So they're saying, yeah, we'll give you the deal, but we're going we're gonna to slug the poor users $3 and $4, et cetera. That's ridiculous, right? Because um, we've got to make the banks change their ways, and that's what a public postal bank can do. Because that, that 3 or $4 that they charge, their call centre tells their customers that it's our charge, that we charge that. No. We do not get paid that money. That goes into those billion-dollar profits that the banks make each year. Yeah. No, well, that's, that's, why, that's, that's one of the reasons we actually have to reform the, the financial system of Australia and a, a public bank that can be, provide retail services guaranteed to all Australians through post offices which will have the side benefit of securing the viability of Australia Post licensed post offices well into the future is a great solution in that regard. So, uh, Angela, thank you very much. Thank you for hanging on for all the years you have. To, that, thank you for surviving. Thank you for speaking up to the politicians and, and starting the LPO group. Um, and thank you for standing up for Christine Holgate that even introduced those of us who... Um, didn't know about this before the scandal, introduced us to the real story of Australia Post. And thanks for joining us today to tell that story. Okay, thank you. All right, and uh, for the rest of the, the viewers, please, I hope you appreciate what a, what a great story this is. Um, hit the like button. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, subscribe to this channel. Help us share this story. Get this out everywhere. It's an excellent way to end this campaign around Christine Holgate because we have to keep the pressure on. Share this video as widely as possible. So thanks for tuning in to Citizens Insight. Like I said, again, thanks, Angela. And um, uh, keep, keep the price of liberty's eternal vigilance. Let's keep vigilant on this issue.